Sometimes I think children's sermons are tougher than adult sermons. <laughs> Today's sermon is about storms. As you see in the bulletin, the title is Thank God for Storms. So let's take a look at the gospel reading today. What is going on in our gospel reading? On the surface, this is what happens. Jesus has been teaching parables all day, sitting in a boat because the crowd has been pushing in. He gets in a boat and it's a bit far out from the shore. Evening comes and Jesus says, let's go to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. Well, they set out, experienced fishermen, and head to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus falls asleep in the stern. The part of the boat that is reserved for people of importance, but it's also the part of the boat where the rudder is and where the navigator stands. Now, a violent storm erupts with waves that are swamping the boat. They're pouring in from side to side. And their efforts to bail out the water are futile because more and more water is filling the boat. And they are about to capsize. We can imagine how frightening this must have been, especially in the dark of night. They turn to see Jesus sleeping in the stern and are clearly upset. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Well, Jesus wakes up. He does not respond to the disciples but simply speaks to the waves and the storm the same way that he spoke to a possessed man in the previous chapter. Be quiet, be still. And the storm went from complete chaos to complete calm. I imagine the water becoming flat as ice, reflecting the moon and the stars above. Even the lapping of the water against the boat in the quiet moonlight, swaddles the mind in a peaceful comfort. The water is still in the boat and needs to be bailed out. Their hearts are still racing. Adrenaline is rushing through their bloodstream. And their fear of the storm turns to fear of what Jesus has done. When they woke him up, they were probably hoping he would help them bail the water out. They had no expectation that he would be able to control the storm. But Jesus is God of storm, God of sea, Lord of all creation, of water, earth, and sky. And the disciples, rather than rejoicing, like the seafarers in the psalm that we read earlier, stand in awe and fear of him. How has Jesus been teaching his disciples up to this point? He's been teaching them in parables. This story seems like yet another parable, but a real-life parable that teaches both through experience and through interpretation. So let's try and interpret, interpret this parable. The boat is our existence, so precious, floating on the border of life and death. The storm, well, that can be anything that enters our life that threatens our security. An illness, a divorce, a loss of employment, terrorism, war, arguments in the home, or the death of a loved one. 
Let us consider this, the storm. Where do storms come from? Now, our psalm reading today says, He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. If we take that at face value, it would seem that God sent the storm to those sailors so that they would cry out to God for help. So do the storms in our lives come from God? Are they sent for some sort of punishment or to wake us up? Are they sent for some reason? Where did the storms in Job's life come from? I believe that storms are a natural part of our existence. It's part of what happens as the world turns on its axis. We have such a desire to find meaning, though. We want to know why. Now, this can either be a pitfall or an opportunity. If we assign meaning that attempts to place God in our own perception of justice, we may end up being like Job's friends, telling the suffering soul that their own sin brought on their pain. But in Romans 8, and you know what Ken says about Romans 8, read it every day. In verse 33 in Romans 8, we read, Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Now, we so often seek to assign blame for tragedies, the tragedies in our lives of ourselves and others. Now, remember how when the the apostles encountered the young blind man, they asked Jesus who, who had sinned, this young man or his parents? And Jesus replied that neither had sinned. Seeking to find evil, the evil cause of tragedy, can lead to the pitfalls of hypocrisy and self-righteousness. But if we seek to find good, even in our darkest hour, we have the opportunity to grow closer to God and to neighbor. Viktor Frankl wrote in, of his time in the concentration camps, We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken away from a man except one thing. That last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way, Now, I agree with Frankel, but I would add that it is God's gift to allow us the peace and grace to choose the way of good, even in suffering. Now, I've talked about the boat and the storm, but what is the calm in the story? The calm is the presence of Christ in our boat, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, The calm is the peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ. The calm is our surrender of control. The calm is our surrender of the helm. While remembering our role and still working to bail out the boat. And we live in a world in which there is both joy and sorrow. Most of the time, we live in between those two extremes. Where do we see ourselves in each of these times? Let me further try to interpret this parable. 
Now in joy, we are like the boat on water. When it flies along the surface of the water, dancing on the waves as we guard our vessel and sail with sail and rudder. The rush of joy in this moment fills us as we revel in our skill and ability to deftly maneuver along the sea. Now in sorrow and tragedy and fear, our boat is tossed about, thrown this way and that by the crashing waves, heading straight for the rocks or filling with water like the boat in the story today. It is not our skill and ability that we notice in these times, but the force of nature bearing down on us. We are in pain and feeling the wind whipping us, tearing our sails. We are bogged down by the water of depression, filling our boat. We worry and are filled with anxiety as we see or imagine the rocks of calamity in our future. Now, joy and sorrow are both very salient experiences. They are the most vivid memories that we have. But most of the time, our boat is either steadily on course or just floating along, possibly in a doldrums, possibly gently gliding along in a relaxing, meandering way, sails down, fishing line out, our feet dangling over the side. We're on autopilot, neither rejoicing nor crying out in pain, simply going about our daily routine. So those are the three types of experiences that I'm describing in, here, in this. But in those three experiences, where do we see God? What is God's role? Now in joy, the time of joy, at our best, we see that the wind that propels us speedily on the joy ride is God's dance with our sails. And sometimes we ignore the wind, except for how exhilarating it feels whipping through our hair as we revel in our own accomplishments. But other times we notice how that wind takes us and thrills us, fills us with revelry. In time of tragedy, we are all too aware of God or what we perceive to be God's absence in our pain and struggle. We ask, why me, Lord? Why me? Or why my family? Why my friend? Why my child? We either cry out for God's help or we stamp our feet and demand answers, threatening to no longer believe in a God who could treat us or those we love so unjustly. Like Job, we demand an answer from God. Why? Well, times like these are good times to read that part of Job that Larietta read for us today. It's very humbling to hear the majesty of God in that reading and the, and the verses that follow. Now the time when we notice God the least is when nothing much is going on. When we are going about our daily routines, same stuff, different day. Our lives are neither in peril nor in any particularly joyful state. At those times, the divine, the supernatural, the sacred might seem unrealistic or impractical or overly emotional. Do the storms come to wake us up? Is God trying to shake us into our consciousness to draw us out of our doldrums? Is it true that our crying out to God? It is true that our crying out to God is often the result of pain 
and suffering and tragedy. But to say that God intends to wake us up from our apathy by imposing pain and suffering would be a bit like blaming the victim or imposing our idea of justice on God. I prefer to leave it at good can come from tragedy. And whether God caused or didn't cause it is beyond our understanding. See Job. There's a song that I heard recently, and it kind of spoke to me when I was preparing this sermon. It goes like this. If you have Facebook, it's on my Facebook page. (laughs) No one laughs at God in the hospital. No one laughs at God in a war. No one's laughing at God when they're starving or freezing or so very poor. No one laughs at God when the doctor calls after some routine tests. No No one's laughing at God when it's gotten real late and their kid's not back from that party yet. But God can be funny at a cocktail party when listening to a good God-themed joke or when the crazies say he hates us and they get all red in the head so you think they're about to choke. God can be funny when told he'll give you money if you just pray the right way and when, and when presented like a genie or does magic like Houdini or grants wishes like Jiminy Cricket or Santa Claus. God can be so hilarious. But no one laughs in a hospital. No one laughs at God in a war. No one's laughing at God when they've lost all they've got and they don't know what for. No one one laughs at God on the day they realize the last sight they'll ever see is a pair of hateful eyes. No one's laughing at God when they're saying their goodbyes. No one laughs at God in a hospital. No one laughs at God in a war. No one's laughing at God when they're starving or freezing or so very poor. Now the message of this song is not to accuse people of laughing at God, but to point out how easy it is to vacillate between being apathetic about God and desperately needing God. In those steady-as-she-go times, our attitude towards God and our creator can be such that we can even laugh at jokes that mock or belittle belief in or dependence on God. When the storm waves are pouring into the boat, we cry out, Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? What a strange thing to cry out. How strange to expect that Christ can do something when we lack the faith to trust God to see us through before the storm came. But the beauty of this gospel reading is this. Jesus woke up and said to the storm, peace, be still, without threatening us, without abandoning us. Christ calls us to have faith by asking us why we are afraid. Christ calls us to trust God by seeing us through the storm. Christ calls us to peace by silencing the demons of doubt, fear, self-blame, and anxiety. Peace be still. Christ calls us to trust in God by being with us in the boat, by being with us in our suffering. What are we to draw from this story? What we do know is that we have storms in our lives. What we don't know is why there's a storm. 
If it was our fault or anyone's fault, if God sent the storm for some reason or if God didn't send the storm for any reason, or really much about in the first place how we got into this boat in the dead of night in a storm-prone sea. Honestly, when I look back on my own life, most of my storms have been pretty mild compared to others. Today being Father's Day brings to mind the storm of my father's long illness and then death. Long before I was ready to deal with any kind of loss in my family. But when I consider the beauty that came from that time of suffering, the blossoming of my father's faith, the, mel- the mending of a rift between us that began in my childhood, and the deepening of our relationship, I see God at work in that storm. So I say, thank God for storms, because without them, we would never appreciate such beauty. We would never take notice of people, time, and events so precious in our lives. The pain of losing my dad, and a few years later my mom, still aches, still cuts deeply, especially on days like today. But also, on days like today, I rejoice in the great memory of my father's legacy. For those of you who are sitting next to your dads, for those of you who can call your father in the next state or even in another country, Katie, (laughs) for those of you who have a mom who did both jobs, both parents, for those of you like me who can remember a father or father figure, This is a day to thank God for dads as well. Now, I don't mean to draw a parallel between storms and dads, although if memory serves me right, there were times. However, getting back to the story, the message of the story is this. Regardless of the hows and the whys of the storm, Christ is in our boat. And that is the source of our peace, our assurance that whatever we are facing, we are not facing it alone. No, we are facing it with the most powerful ally in the entire cosmos, the one who with a few words silences storms, clearing the sky for moon and stars to shine silently on the reflecting waters. God's presence doesn't always miraculously take our problems away, but it gives us confidence and assurance, and peace, and comfort that Christ is with us, we can weather the storm. Once again, in Romans 8, Paul writes, All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Paul continues to say, If God is for us, then who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, Will, not, will he not give him also, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else nor tumors nor loss nor divorce nor shame will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
So be sure of this. If life circumstances seem stormy or even life-threatening, know that God is in control and will give us peace and help guide us through to calm waters. So rest assured and be at peace in the midst of, if not apart from, your storms, your trials, and your struggles. And when the storms of pain, illness, and tragedy crash against your boat, or the waves of fear and anxiety pour into your mind, swamping your vessel, call out to Christ to silence your storm, to calm the waters. Amen. Now in response to hearing the word, we praise God and we confess our faith. So let us stand and confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in